our consciousness is going to come back into this body. <laughs> However, will you be the same? Probably not. Will you come back exactly like you were? Mm. The odds are mm. no, mm. you won't. Mm -hmm. You will be different. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is why we resist change and we resist growth because we know we will be different. That can be scary or it can be exciting. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak. They talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Hey everybody, I'm Eric Osborne. And I'm Courtney Rose. Welcoming you back to another episode of Psilocybin Says. We want to remind you right now before we get too far to hit the notifications bell on your platform of choice, Spotify, iTunes, whatever it may be, so that every Monday you get notified when we post new episodes. And if you would, give us a rating, please. please. Five stars would be ideal. <laughs> that way other people get to find us and listen to this podcast podcast that we put so much heart into every week love having you here and hope you enjoy this episode thanks psilocybin mushrooms are not new to the human experience while they may seem like a recent discovery in mental health these mushrooms have been considered sacred since the Paleolithic period for their ability to heal the human spirit and therefore the mind sanctuary church is reviving the traditions of our ancestors for a modern world as a faith-based organization centered around the sacrament of sacred mushrooms for spiritual exploration and personal development, Sanctuary invites like-minded individuals to become a member and commune with us. Join us for Sunday Zoom service or a weekend sacred mushroom retreat in the beautiful Kentucky countryside. Visit psanctuary.org to become a member or for more information. I feel like I'm experiencing an ego death right now. Really? I sound like ego death, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> that's not how I heard you. But uh, that's how I feel like I sound. That's how you're hearing yourself. Yeah, my nose is all stuffed up. <laughs> you really don't sound that stuffy. I feel that stuffy. Uh -oh. Sounds worse in your head than it sounds to us. It's always worse in our head than it is outside of it, isn't it? Like we always make a bigger deal on the inside mm. than um, talking about ego death. Yeah. This was a topic brought up by one of our members in our member telegram chat this morning. And she was talking about experiencing ego death. And it seemed like to me she was posing the question to the group what do you what do you all do when you feel ego death happening did mm. i understand that correctly uh yeah it's kind of how I, I understood it i guess one of the things that seemed to stand out about her question is that uh it seemed as if she was suggesting that everyone experiences it the same way right talking about dissolving into light kind of thing and mm -hmm. things are real tendency in this to feel like there are you know ways that these things happen i'm not sure first of all that that's a helpful way to think about it because everybody's different and everybody experiences it different 
it can be experienced differently at different times. So, you know, this is a big topic in the psychedelic community. Talk a lot about ego death and ego dissolution and what that really means. Um, and yeah, I'm glad that she brought it up because this is a very interesting thing to consider. There's been a lot of conversation around death in the past week in our community. There was the topic of physical death and planning for what to do with our remain our physical remains that mm. conversation brought up was brought up about a week or so ago by a member and asking what are you all going to do like what do you want to do for a funeral and with your remains and then another member brought up near death experiences mm-hmm. in D's mm-hmm. and so that's been a topic and now this incarnated ego death so to speak so what is ego death what is ego death (laughs) what what is is ego ego death death? yeah i maybe have a different understanding of it than a lot of people do i don't know you know we've kind of talked about whether or not there is even such thing you know we've talked about is there even really such thing as an ego death Um, because even in the heights of the most disillusioned or dissolve, I'm sorry, disillusion. The mo- even in the heights of the most dissolving experiences, there still is an observer, right? Like uh, mm. DMT, the DMT trip that I had that was like the most Eric is gone type thing. Like Eric still was describing what Eric experienced. I tend to, I tend to think of it in terms of layers of dissolution. And as long as we're in a physical body, it's probably going to be really difficult for there ever to be really and truly such thing as an ego death and even beyond that i mean I, I do question whether or not there are things like spirits or ghosts or mm-hmm. however you want to talk about it we've had some very weird things happen in our life that seem like there is something interacting with us uh, invisibly and does that thing have an ego right that's right before you said that i was thinking there's so much talk about god this like omnipresent observer and creator Mm -hmm. and if that is so then the way we talk about having an ego and that being the observer Mm -hmm. then that must mean that god in the way that religious texts talk about god often god must have an ego there's definitely an ego when christian god right the way that I more so think about God now is like more of a source, the unnameable fundamental energy underlying everything, creating everything within everything. Mm -hmm. And so does that force have an ego does it observe rather is my is my question right well i mean that's you know everybody i guess everybody can have a different understanding of what this you know god thing you talk about is and i I understand that it's pure unadulterated consciousness just awareness okay is there an is there an ego is there a personality to this state the definition of the ego is um, the part of the mind that mediates between the conscious and unconscious and is responsible for reality testing and a sense of personal identity, a conscious thinking 
subject? That's a really, it's an interesting and deep question that I haven't really given much time to whether or not consciousness itself has some form of an ego. Think about it. If we go with this definition of consciousness in a singular form divided into multifaceted aspects in order to understand itself, Mm -hmm. then that indicates to me that there is an awareness there is this kind of conscious subject, if you will, that is everything. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know, it's, a, it's interesting to think about whether or not this underlying consciousness itself has, like, is a form of ego. I, I kind of think so. Um, I mean, we tend to think about ego as personality, and, and again, like, we get into layers of ego. Does ego... Can I, can I say that a dog doesn't have an ego? A dog has a personality, mm-hmm. right? Freaking different snakes have different personalities. Mm-hmm. Different fish have different personalities. We tend to... So do plants. Plants can have different personalities, you know. Uh, and we talk about the ego as if it's only within humans. And so it's kind of an egotistical perspective. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so can the ego ever really dissolve? I mean, even if I think about, like, blending into pure awareness, there is still awareness that is consciousness that is always... I don't know, here, let's think about this, because you you have the self and other, right? Mm -hmm, Right. And maybe the highest level of ego dissolution that we can experience is this notion of their being all one like being one with everything but in that to everything there is an opposite which is nothing Mm -hmm. right so if i am fully submerged in the consciousness of everything then it seems like there still is an other I'm thinking about something I heard back in August and it really stuck with me where I was listening to this spiritual teacher and she was talking about, she basically said like, sorry to burst your bubble, everybody. And this one might sting, but even God doesn't know the best thing. For you, even mm. God or mm. source or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. this omnipresent force of consciousness mm. doesn't know all the answers. Mm-hmm. And we tend to think that, oh, God knows. I'll leave it up to God. And yeah, it's an oversimplification. Mm. Yeah, like only, only God knows, as the saying goes. Mm-hmm. And in the reality, like she was saying, we are God. We are a manifestation mm. of God, God figuring out what to do next, like through each other. So thinking of this question from that perspective, well, then even source itself seems to have an ego, mm. a desire to grow, to do something, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, to learn mm-hmm get better yeah i mean evolution itself is ongoing and 
understanding it's it's changing because of different environmental factors right so life the pureness of life itself is constantly getting feedback and adapting things don't come into the world in perfect being i mean there's a perfection to existence but there's also you know adaptation and ongoing changing so you know i've been listening to a lot of this neville goddard stuff and the one that particularly feeds into this and is the one i've been listening to the most is this concept around you know the true god uh, and if you don't know neville goddard he's a pretty interesting thinker uh from back in the 30s and 40s i think and then the one that i was listening to last night he was talking about this this true god and the only god is the i am right and even in the biblical text moses comes down from the mountain they're like who's god and god is i am or moses up on the mountain he's like who are you and god is like i am i am that i am mm-hmm. right and there's all kinds of really cool stuff that we could talk about there with whether or not you know this burning bush and this visionary state was induced by dmt and acacia there's a lot of uh interesting conversation there that people are having elsewhere um but also maintaining that the biblical text is a metaphorical text and obviously not a historical text so this idea this notion of god if you will being the i am that i am is like that is almost like the essence of ego right i am fill in the blank mm-hmm. um, now he's talking about it in terms of you know, this is how you bring into being that which you desire, that which is, that which God wants to manifest for itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he talks about how if you create a world that is not to your liking or you create something that you don't like, how you have the right to change it. I don't know. It's kind of a mm-hmm. kind of a twisted, convoluted way of saying the same thing that even in kind of the esoteric perspective, this I am is ever present. It is the awareness. It is the consciousness that is always aware and whether or not that's ego. So maybe we, maybe the conversation in my mind is more helpful if we talk in terms of healthy versus unhealthy ego. Mm-hmm. We can talk about layers of ego dissolution and all mm-hmm. that stuff too. Um, but when we when we talk about the ego, very often it's spoken of negatively and like, oh, you're an egotistical whatever or kill you know, the ego, kill the ego because the ego is not your friend kind of thing. And that sounds like the ego talking to me. It does. Yeah. That's like that's sure. an unhealthy, even beyond unhealthy, like. When we say that, that person is so egotistical. They're full of themselves. Mm -hmm. To me, yeah, that's an imbalanced ego. That's like a, like there's a balance of considering the incarnated me and also considering the incarnated you Mm -hmm. and the space in between. Mm -hmm. And when someone is having a lot of trouble having consideration for the other that seems like what we call egotistical or narcissistic Mm -hmm. like when there's a lack of compassion for the the embodied other Mm -hmm. 
what's that about? <laughs> I mean, we, I just like, again, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't fucking know what's going right. on. Right. Well, clearly, but <sighs> none of us know. But so our members question this mm-hmm. morning. So that experience in within the mushroom experience, mm-hmm. this feeling of here I go, like I'm letting go of what I know to be me, mm-hmm. what I know to be Courtney. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden I feel like I'm a I'm way more than Courtney. Courtney is mixing with all this energy and space that I didn't even consciously know was here until this moment. Mm. Like to me, that's what it feels like. This maybe it's more of an expanding of the ego than a letting go of the ego, right? Because mm, if you think about yeah. it, we're we're defined as this little ego self, and then as we lose these boundaries, we become oh, I'm also the tree. I'm also the sky. I'm yeah. Also and so yeah it's not a loss it's a gain it's a gaining it's not a a losing what is interesting especially when you consider this definition of ego is the the divider the mediator between the conscious and subconscious right Mm -hmm. now does that mean that the ego the subconscious has no egoic nature and what does that even mean the mediator between the conscious and the subconscious right we've got this subconscious mind that's running the vast majority of our lives estimated 95 percent of our waking moving behaving life is controlled by this subconscious mind that's been programmed before we were born and then we have this conscious mind that says okay i'm here holding a microphone i'm going to whatever take my socks off or whatever it is how is it do we perceive the ego as mediating between that it's like you got this subconscious vast ocean and the ego is then bringing out subconscious material and putting it into the conscious world or it's this filter that the subconscious that's a better way of thinking of it maybe instead of mediator in my mind a filter through which the subconscious works that is more helpful to me um because the subconscious is the thing that it's like that's the thing that we can't we don't know we don't know what's going on in those depths. We have ideas because of what we see, but we don't actually, we can't really put a label on. We can't say like, okay, this is the subconscious material that is operating in my life. But mm-hmm. through the manifestation of our ego into this conscious world, then we can get an idea mm-hmm. of what is happening in the subconscious does that make any sense at all yeah i feel like it it's a lot to try and piece together and feel out how is all this happening like i'm kind of right now i'm thinking about the ego as like that hide and seek metaphor Mm -hmm. like this being that's playing hide and seek like between the worlds mm-hmm. of subconscious and conscious, like, oh, here I am. Oh, mm-hmm. going back and hiding. Oh, here mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. But even that isn't really hitting the interaction between subconscious and conscious. Because what is it? At what point does the ego decide to step up and like filter what? What is it? Is the ego the one making the choice? to bring things forward 
or who mm-hmm. is the one that is mm-hmm. making mm-hmm. the choice to say, okay, now's the time to be aware no. of this pattern. Because mm-hmm. when I think of subconscious, I think of a program that's mm-hmm. running and has been, it's running on a routine, a track. That's and why I, That's why maybe I think the filter works better for me because I don't think of it in terms of choice. When water is forced, when water is displaced, or when air is displaced, then it must move. And if there is a filter there, then it must move through the filter. Uh, if you've got a, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into just trying to describe what I'm seeing on mine, but it, you know, if, if water is displaced, then it has to move. And that's how I understand this subconscious. I, again, you know, we've talked a lot about this choice and not choice, and I just don't think that there is a choice of the subconscious or the conscious mind to start pulling material out of the subconscious. It just, as it is ready, as the time is right, material comes out of the subconscious, and then that is filtered through the ego, the personality, which shapes the information that's coming out of this subconscious and into the conscious world. And the interesting thing about this filter, this ego, is that it is shaped by both the conscious and the subconscious, right? I can consciously go into a personality of sorts, right? You know, we, we shift between personality types when we're in different groups of people and whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. And the subconscious, because it is the programming that's running the vast majority of our lives, is shaping this filter, And our subconscious gets reprogrammed by conscious or subconscious ways. And so anytime it is augmented, then it necessarily is going to augment the ego slash filter through which consciousness is moving from the sub into the, you know, full consciousness. It's, this is, this is such a fascinating world. And I feel like, you know, the, the person who asked the question, asked also you know how do you know you're not going to get stuck how do you know that you're not going to lose your ego and not come back it's a valid question you know i've seen people who with mushrooms particularly ayahuasca and dmt who have had a hard time coming back to the more grounded conscious world when i started really thinking about it i can see i can see how it could be a slippery slope i mean the first time I don't know if you've ever had it like a real solid out-of-body experience, but I had a couple, or I've had multiple. The first, the first couple really shook me up. The first one was with Amanita muscaria, and that was just so fucking wild. I don't know what to make of that. It was just okay. I'm going to bed. The the okay. Next I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah, long long story. That's there, deep. But <laughs> uh, long, well, there's a story, but yeah, I was done. I, I was over that night after that happened. Um, but the first time that it happened with psilocybin, I remember, and again, here's the I remembering, right? I remember becoming aware that I was not in my body, that, that my awareness was completely removed from my physical being. It was, it was very scary. Fear of, you know, insanity or all of me not coming back together. 
you know, I've seen a, I've I've seen a lot of mushroom trips. I've seen a handful of people who took a little longer to get really grounded with mushrooms, but I have never ever ever seen mushrooms send somebody so far gone that they didn't come back ever. I'm not saying it can't happen, but I've yet to see it. I've definitely seen it take some weeks for people's conscious mind to really consolidate back into their being, you know. Anyway, I think there there is a reason to be mindful of this. Uh, and there are practices that we can employ before ever even going to the mushrooms to get accustomed to our awareness being outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. In my experience, there's a container element to this when preparation and container element to the experience of being terrified that I'm not going to come back. For instance, I can think of a time where I kind of forced myself to eat mushrooms and I wasn't feeling like I was doing it because I had said I had said to myself, I'm going to do this regularly. I'm going to do this for the most part, like every four to six weeks. And it was that time. And it was at the end of that time. Like it was at the six week mark. And I was like, okay, Courtney, like you got to do this. And I'd kind of been avoiding it mentally, mm-hmm. just like in my whole being leading up to that night, mm-hmm. I was just avoiding thinking about it when I could have been doing things to help prepare myself for that space and acknowledge that space was coming and remind myself of why I do this and Mm -hmm. remind myself of the intentions I have and communing with the mushroom. And instead I just avoided, 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 avoided until I just forced myself to eat mushrooms and then boom, like it's happening. I'm dissolving and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm not coming back. Like, what have I done? Like, and then that whole like not letting go, like refusing mm-hmm. to let go mm-hmm. because that was the space that I had been in, in mm-hmm. my day to day life, mm-hmm. like not wanting to be conscious, not wanting to let go, not wanting to gain awareness. Mm-hmm. And then compared to my mushroom experiences where like a week leading up to it, I am reminding myself of the why I do why I do this the reasons why I commune with the mushroom what it means to me what I'd like to get out of it and just really allowing myself to to feel that out and prepare my myself physically you know like change my diet just get more hydrated talk to people more kindly talk to myself more Mm -hmm. kindly kind of stepping into day to day like okay if this is the way I'm talking to myself in the mushroom space a week from now how's that going to feel amplified times 10 you know really allowing myself to think about being in that space and that letting go process the feeling myself um, integrate Mm -hmm. with other energy outside of my normal conscious awareness of my bubble feeling a whole lot easier and not not so scary like not so like I'm never coming back because there's more of a uh, I guess an intention or a preparation around it 
I think what you brought up that's really important is the letting go factor. And even uh, in the chat today, that's what some of the people brought into the conversation was, you know, the more adept you are at letting go, then the less of the mushroom you need. And, you know, it's just kind of a thing that pushes you over the edge and helps you forget or remember that you are you are always everything. You're always everything. And so the the clinging on like that's the fear of not returning. And so when you can when you know that you'll always return, when you know that you are solid, then you can more consciously let go. This is something that has been such a a lovely aspect of mushrooms for me and uh, for a lot of people it's just such an important part of the work is learning better what it means to let go i mean all the, that's again like if we're talk about like an unhealthy ego it's the clinging on to like this is who i am no this is who i am this is who i am this is how i behave this is like that's all you are right now that's what we are right now it's always changing and the denial that everything is always changing is the unhealthy clinging on of the of the ego and that's where you know the insanity of mushroom space finally started to make sense to me and i started to understand that that was such a valuable space for healing of self and and others is when we can consciously we feel that that coming on and we say okay here it is i know this place i'm just gonna let go into it and then you let go into it and then you can really ride the waves you can become everything else you can become other people you can become the trees you can become the air and through that, when we can become the other, then like, this is it's a, like a lovely little tricky spot. But there's there's this like razor's edge that I've found where you can become the other, but also still be aware of your own integrity, of your own being in that you can transfer and transmute information. Then this is going to sound weird, but when I have been able to give and receive from the elements, from the trees or from the, the earth, then it's 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 when I'm able to let go of that idea that I'm separate. Yeah, it's just a, it's a beautiful place to be able to access and it's really challenging to be able to access it without the assistance of something like the mushrooms. I love that she, this member asked this question this morning, like how do I know that I'm, I'm not going to be gone forever? Like then she brought up something about there's some psychonauts that, some famous psychonauts that died young as in like in their fifties and or younger. And, but that question, how do I know I'm, how do I know I'm coming back from this? 
Like that is such a great question to consider in day-to-day life when we are feeling resistance to a change that we we're pretty sure it's going to be good for us but like how do i know mm-hmm. i'm going to be okay like how do i know that maybe you don't right maybe, maybe you don't maybe. exactly that's and, and that's like the preparation for death that's the uh-huh. you know we don't we don't know i'm sorry go ahead i interrupted you that's exactly what i was getting at is just within that question is seems to be like the question itself is kind of like the answer to the question that's kind of the point in a big way with the mushroom experience is it is so much about for me learning to let go Mm -hmm. and have faith in the process the i don't know is such a big part of it like yeah you know talking about safety and like the likelihood that your your consciousness is going to come back Mm -hmm. into this body Mm -hmm. is extremely likely Mm -hmm. like yeah (laughs) yeah however as far as metaphorically in day-to-day like in change Mm -hmm. like will you be the same after this probably not Mm. will you come back exactly like you were Mm. the odds are Mm. no Mm. you won't Mm -hmm. you will be different Mm -hmm. and i feel like that is so often why we we resist change and we resist growth because we know we will be different we will not be how we are right now and that can be scary if we choose for it to be or it can be uh exciting yeah which the scariness the wanting things to stay the way they are is that an unhealthy example of the ego Mm. i don't know i mean kind of feels like it um but you know i'm glad you said that because the thing about the i don't know because that really is you know i know i kind of like make fun of the fact that i don't know and feel like how can i be any kind of a um knowledgeable on any kind of subject really you know we have levels of knowing we have levels of understanding but seems really important that we be open to the possibility that our level of understanding is just that and that with more information our understanding can shift very quickly you know i grew up in a uh an i know i know i know kind of world I, you know father and whatnot was just like it's just always, you know, I know what's good for everybody. I know, and I think there's a lot of that just in our society overall. You know, we're dealing with all this, just a lot of social stuff where people are telling us what's good for us and that they know what's good for us. And the reality is, is that information changes constantly and we get better understandings of what we know and sometimes that causes a drastic shift in how we engage or behave. And sometimes it causes shuttle shifts, shifts, but seldomly does it not cause any shift. So kind of like you're saying, you're going to come back, but you're going to be different. It may be subtle or it may be drastic, but you're going to get, you're getting exposed to new information, new realities, new possibilities that's going to impact who you are and maybe i'm trying to think that if 
I think I think I, I think I can say that for individuals who have had a harder time, quote, coming back to reality, I kind of feel like those people, and even myself, when I've had those kinds of moments, whenever you get into that kind of panicky fear state of, I don't know if I'm going to be all right, I don't know if I'm going to come back, it prolongs your ability to come back. The more you can just say, okay, this is where we're at right now, I'm going to ride it out, see where it goes, I'm going to trust the process and know that I'm okay, then you're more likely to more readily come back to an equilibrium. Yeah, it's more uh, like a learning to accept the, the wave and decide, like, I'm coming back better. It's that whole, uh, like the riptide thing metaphor that we had in the service a few weeks back. So oh, I was yeah. talking about, you know, mm-hmm. the more you fight the riptide, the, the more likelier you are to drown. Whereas mm-hmm. if you just give yourself over to it and allow it to take you where you're being taken, uh, then the better out, off you're going to be. Yeah, I, lo- I love I love it and I don't love it. This topic of ego, ego dissolution, it's so ripe for exploring what we don't know but at the same time it confronts us with our desire to know Mm -hmm. and so it's like I feel like there's like just in exploring the topic of the ego there's a lot of potential internal conflict that I experience anyway Mm -hmm. I'm being confronted with uh, what we call death, passing on, coming out of this body, out of this realm into something else. It's really hard to talk about, like this whole subject of letting go and being okay with not knowing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's okay to, for that to be a, a challenging experience. Like it makes you normal, oh, yeah. it makes you human, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Like you shouldn't feel like a failure because you have trouble it's challenging to let go sometimes and like be okay with some crazy shit happening like mm-hmm. that's it's really hard to do and in spiritual communities there's kind of like a there can be a sense of like someone going through something really hard and a response from the community like well guess you're just not spiritual enough like you should just let go like and i mean i get that at the same time like there's a very real human need to feel safe and feel like have a sense of knowing yeah does that make sense it makes it makes sense but at the same like i guess where i'm kind of sticking on is and I'm guilty of it as well. I feel like I've made some significant strides in the last little while here, but I still catch myself. When we talk about having faith, then we find ourselves frustrated or we find ourselves selves fearful. It's like, how much faith do you really have? How, how, how mindful are you of being faithful and trusting of the process if you have fear? And I think that there's a lot of value in like checking ourselves and not mm-hmm. being like, Oh, well, I'm just a human. It's okay for me to worry and for me to have, like, you can cut that shit out, like, right now if you want to. 
You can just be like, all right, look, I can't do anything. Like, what can you control? Right. Very little. Do you trust life or not? And if you don't trust life, then that's the issue to work on because, like, this thing is far more intelligent than us as individuals could ever be. And it doesn't even know what's going on, like you said. Right. Yeah. It seems like there's definitely a balance to be had of Mm -hmm. doing what you can and letting the rest go. But, you know, also just to acknowledge that it's okay. Like this whole conversation, I've definitely had times, plenty of times where I start getting to a point of either not speaking up about having a challenging experience. Mm -hmm. Like I'm having a challenge right now of letting go of this Mm -hmm. and I almost feel like I can't bring it up in certain circles because Mm -hmm. I'll be kind of like chastised and there'll be this like spiritually bypassy like I get that well why don't you just you know just let go like you shouldn't Mm -hmm. you just have faith and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well while there's a time and a place for that like overall yes like what else are we gonna do Mm -hmm. at the same time there's definitely a place for acknowledging that that's okay to feel that way it's hard shit is hard and it is a lifelong process of leveling up and Mm -hmm. coming to new understandings it's funny like if somebody if somebody and i'm sure that i'm guilty of this but if somebody's giving somebody else shit for not letting go then sounds like that person needs to let go of other people letting go you know what I mean? <laughs> if you're like, right. man, you just need to let go. Just Why aren't you just letting go? Like, hey, dude, why don't you let go of the fact that I'm not letting go? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, hold on. I thought I had the problem. Turns out <laughs> you're a terrible advice giver. <laughs> oh, well, touche. I think we maybe mentioned it in the past, but, you know. I don't think he'll mind us saying his name. Osama was talking about letting go of letting go. I think that's a really important and valuable thing to consider in all this is that we can get hung up on the fact that we're not letting go of something. Like, let go of that shit. You need to feel things. Somebody somebody passes that you love or you lose a job or I don't know, whatever happens, you know, tough things happen. Like, you really need to feel that. Mm -hmm. And then... After you felt it really and thoroughly, then you can let it go. Yeah, it's a spectrum and not everyone experiences this in the same time frame. Like there's not set time frames for growth and like there's no timer that goes off every time someone has a certain type of experience where you should just be leveled up now right oh no we slip back we we you know have to learn lessons over and over again um that's for sure and uh, you know i guess when you're thinking about ego i like to use the word spectrum because that's a great way to understand the ego you can have this like just ego on rampage i want i want i want everything that i want and then you can have this ego that is just allow 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 you know, pure consciousness that's just allowing everything to be, you know, finding ourselves somewhere in that gradient of ego um, and knowing that it's a continuum that we will always be a part of. As we become more aware, we can 
maybe align ourselves consciously in certain kind of ranges in that frequency. Just it's just hard for me to imagine that there's really such thing as an ego death. Yeah, likewise. I mean, there is uh I like how the beginning of our conversation we talked about well maybe it's more of a an ego birth or like a, a gain like a mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's Expansion. been more of my experience what somebody might describe as an ego death like I'm I feel my entire being dissolving mm-hmm. and um, I definitely don't feel like Courtney anymore I mean mm-hmm. I, I feel me I'm me that's the thing is like I'm more me mm-hmm. is I'm more like authentically raw this really deep presence that I always feel Mm -hmm. that is me. Um, But feeling like 10,000 times more uh, than just like my fears and my thoughts and Mm -hmm. like there's barely any room for thought when that's happening. Well, that's why a lot of people, not a lot, but it's, it's not, uncommon for people to come back from a big ego dissolution or this expansion of self to come back and have some kind of a god complex for a while you know like narcissists take psychedelics Mm -hmm. and they take them very far then it's you you see this at times where people like kind of like think they're god for a while you know 5-MeO DMT is supposed to be like the one that is really dangerous in that regard or really has a higher propensity for that Hmm. to become like this. It's almost like if you think about it as a rubber band too, right? If you like like stretch your awareness out so far to the, the fringes of reality or understandable reality and then you snap back into your being... It's like, boom, oh, wow, look at how amazing I am, look at how, rah, you know, so um, have these experiences, I'd say if there's any, if, if that's probably, the, probably like the more slippery slope here, that's more dangerous than not coming back, more likely than not coming back is for people to kind of come back and like need to like chill out for a minute you're you're awesome and all but you know so am i <laughs> lsd you one. are not in control LSD of the entire done city that. I've, I've definitely seen lsd and i mean even myself like when i take when i'm on lsd i'm a fucking ferrari and it that feels like a very egotistical psychedelic like ah watch me go kind of thing it's not necessarily a bad thing um but gotta keep that shit in check you really got to keep it in check. Interesting. I'm trying to think of a time with mushrooms where I've felt like I'm having trouble keeping a check on like feeling humble. Like it just seems like mo- most every time I've communed with mushrooms, I come I come back just feeling this incredible sense of 
being so beyond humbled I can barely mm-hmm. speak. I think um, mushrooms are more like that. I've definitely had times in the heights of mushroom ecstasy where I'm like, oh, I am infinite. I am. I have mm-hmm. just godlike power. That is true. But then you come back down and you're like, whoa. I do remember that time <laughs> at the cabin in Paoli when we had some people over and I felt this... We like were channeling that I was channeling I mean it definitely felt like me but it felt judge. like 15 levels I, higher there, of consciousness where I was like here's what y'all are doing mm-hmm. on a higher level that you're mm-hmm. not even aware of and you need to change the ways that, that you're doing it that right is now. not uncommon with mushrooms I have seen many many times the voice and it's, you know it's it's still operating through the filter of the personality and the individual but there certainly seems to be consciousness and intelligence that is just straight laying shit out for people like this is what you're doing wrong and you need to understand that that i see you right i see you and i mean i've i'll never forget that one night in jamaica when we had the lady from usona there and that just like another another guest started channeling that whole right and she didn't even know the fucking people that she was with or anything and she just started calling everybody out on their shit me included i mean she probably called me out worse than anybody just sat there and fucking ever was like you're not listening you're not listening to me and it was like because there was at this point that was a point when uh i was listening to myself about taking mushrooms i was i was like I wouldn't listen to my intuition about when to take mushrooms, when not to take mushrooms, oh, and I was forcing right. it, mm-hmm. and it just fucking laid me out, and seeing that happen, even Maria Sabina, there's some really interesting recordings, mm-hmm. and there's one online, you can find a guy did a uh, transcript of his session with Maria Sabina, and she just fucking laid into him, laid into him, and that that's certainly not watching uncommon watching porn and stuff or no I mean it was, it was before mm-hmm. porn it, it was part of it was a sex addiction thing yeah. um yeah have you you've seen that I guess then I yeah I have mm. yeah so I mean there's an interesting what's really phenomenon interesting there. about that experience though when I recall that it was such a like a very different experience than like a rage state Mm -hmm. like it did not feel egotistical Mm -hmm. like it felt very pure like Mm -hmm. i'm i'm telling you this because i care about you Mm -hmm. and but it comes across in a harsh but it comes across harsh but it felt very clear like there was no fogginess Mm -hmm. there was just a very clear message Mm -hmm. coming right through and um, well, we need that sometimes, you know. We some, we all need sometimes to be very directly confronted with what we're doing that is unhelpful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, ah, uh, it's it's really it's such beautiful stuff. And I just I want to eat some mushrooms, man. Anyway, exploring this thing that we call the ego. Yeah, this is a really great conversation. Okay, well. Uh, another episode where we didn't figure anything out. <laughs> yes, if you thought there would be a conclusion, <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> I am pretty, 
pretty much sure that like I'm the ego death thing. I'm pretty done talking about whether or not it's for myself anyway. You know, it's been a while since I've referred to ego death. Um, now I've never thought of until this conversation the expansion factor. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really th- like looking at it like that versus mm-hmm. like a death. I mean, it does make sense that all this conversation around death is coming up though, considering that we're heading into winter mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. leaves are falling from the trees and plants are mm-hmm. dying. Eh, I mean, I guess your annuals are. Your perennials are just going into right. dormancy. They're going into dormancy. They're mm-hmm. hibernating. Yeah. So it makes sense that people would be thinking about this more. Thinking going more inward, I guess. Yeah. Going inside, staying inside the homes and well, I mean, it's huddling like up. Kind of like the thing that we're here to do in a lot of ways is get ready for dying, you know. <laughs> like just life? Yeah. I mean that's the that's what's at the end of this thing, right? That's like that's the next phase. You don't go into the womb to get ready for. I don't know, like being a fetus. You go in the womb. You become a fetus to get ready for being born. Being born into this. Yeah. Dying so from the last, maybe. Yeah. So we don't. Maybe it's well, one of the even, same. Even dying, you know, even that term dying, is really. Depending on who you talk, it could just be a misconception all along. You know, transitioning. I like that a lot better. Transitioning. Love that. You know. The transition. The great transition. Yeah. So, you know, we're all here preparing for that next transition. And these plants, these experiences can be a really valuable tool in helping to prepare for that. I would offer one last little bit of advice to anybody that is experiencing that transition within a psychedelic state is just just let go and trust it sounds like sound advice to me awesome all right well thank you for for listening yeah thanks listeners till next time and the beating of the drum